Hello friends, welcome to worship with Heritage Church. This weekend, we celebrate Palm Sunday, which marks our entrance into Holy Week. Matthew 21 records that as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, the people greeted him by shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, which means save us now, Savior, we pray, deliver us. The people you see were looking for a Messiah to save them. And I wonder if there's a more appropriate term for us to use today than to call out Hosanna, save us now, Savior, deliver us. Wherever you are joining us from, we want to say welcome. We're so grateful that our brothers from the Kiwani Life Skills Reentry Center are joining us, as well as our Vida Nueva family. Bienvenidos a nuestra familia de Vida Nueva. We celebrate that Heritage Church is one church, bridging culture and language, a river, and so many other things that seek to divide us. We continue to strive to be a church that is more together even when we are physically apart. As we worship today and pray and spend time in God's word, you may notice that we continue to have our pastoral team deployed in lots of different ways. And we wanna assure you that we are all being stretched in this season. We continue to be grateful that we can provide a place of connection for all of us together in online community, uh, through our television screens, through YouTube channel, through lots of different platforms. And we want to invite you to keep connecting with each other and keep connecting with Jesus and asking that he would help us to steward all of these moments well. We're grateful that we can worship together and want to invite you to lean in as we do that today. Hey friends, as we all take a break from staying or sheltering where we are, maybe even take a break from binge watching our favorite shows or movies, I want to invite you to begin to prepare your heart and mind for worship. Maybe even prepare the space that you're in as we step into worshiping through song together. We may not be gathered under one roof, but we are gathered under one name, the name of Jesus. And it was the Apostle Paul who said that through Jesus' obedience, God exalted Jesus. He actually multiplied his greatness and gave him the name that is above all names, the, the greatest of all names. So that it, that authority, the authority of that name, that we would kneel before him in worship, that we would kneel and bow in reverence, so that at some point, even in the future, that every tongue, every language would declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we begin this time of worship, I want to invite you to join us in asking him to inhabit our praise, to gather around us as we worship, not gathered under one roof, but gathered under one name, worshiping the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. So let's come before him. Let's kneel before him. Let's bow before the one whose greatness was multiplied, whose greatness was exalted together in worship today. Is the lamb, the lamb that 
the darkness you give hope you restore See the key. 
Father, I pray that that would be our prayer, what we just sang, that you would break our hearts for what breaks yours. That you'd open up our eyes to the things unseen. And Father, would you help us listen? You are a God who is always speaking, always directing. God, may we listen. There's so much happening around us, so much chatter, so many other voices. Father, help us tune into your voice and your leading in your direction because your ways are higher than our ways. Your love is perfect. So Father, help us step into that love for the sake of your kingdom to reflect you and your son. So God, would you continue to speak to us as we hear your word? And God, from all of our living rooms, from all of our dining room tables, we say we trust you, that you are worthy. And everybody said, amen. church family. It is so great to be with you this weekend, and I am grateful uh, for the privilege that we have as a family to gather in worship today. One of the things I love to consider is that whether you find yourself joining in this worship experience from the comfort of your living room, or perhaps you're riding along in the car listening in, or or you're sitting on the bunk of your cell, or you're in a, a hospital facility somewhere, is the reality that you aren't worshiping right now alone. In fact, in many ways, just as if we were meeting in our physical spaces side by side right now, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of members of the Heritage family who are worshiping together with you throughout Illinois and Iowa and at places all around the country. It's a beautiful reminder for you and for me that that although we are separate physically, that we indeed are more together as we gather to worship the King and Kings and Lord of Lords today. Now, I know the last few weeks have been unprecedented in many ways as each of us have sought to adjust to these uh, stay-at-home restrictions or, or following the, the guidelines of social distancing. And, and I realize for some of us, uh, that has created significant complexity and challenge. Now, I also realize there's some of you introverts, especially, that you are just loving this season of life. And you just think this is exactly how it should be all the time. In fact, as I've interacted with many of our Heritage family members via technology, of course, um, it's been really interesting to watch the different reactions that each of us are experiencing. You know, I'll go in one conversation from an introvert who's loving these moments of being at home and they're just eating up this alone time to to in the very next interaction talking with with somebody who is in a space of of feeling utterly alone and isolated and and on the borderline of, of despair. And then I'll interact with another introvert whose home is just full of people and they feel like they're going to lose their minds because they can't get any alone time. And then there's the interactions with parents of school-age children. Now, to be clear, these parents love their children, but they are ready for them to go back to school. And I don't just mean virtual school. I mean physical school. Some of you parents understand exactly what I'm talking about. And then there's the extroverts, you know, the extroverts like me who, let's just take a collective deep breath, extroverts. It's going to be okay. In fact, I I came across a meme a couple days ago uh, that literally described my situation perfectly. And what it said was, if if you have a friend that's a hugger, check in on them because they're not okay. Check in on your friends that are hugger because they're not okay. And that explains me to a T. In fact, my, my poor kids, in fact, Maddox, my seven-year-old, uh, just uh, this week gave me the proclamation and said, Dad, you were forbidden from hugging or kissing me for at least three weeks. I mean, the struggle is real for those of us who are extrovert huggers. Now, listen, I don't know where you are in the continuum of emotions as you process over the last few weeks of, of being uh, isolated from those you love or friends or have found yourself yearning for social interaction. But what I know is that because of what we have encountered together over the last few weeks, that we are going to be able to connect in a whole different way with the man that we encounter in Scripture today. 
And it's this man in scripture that as he encounters Jesus, Jesus speaks a better word over his life that literally transforms this man and is in the rest and the trajectory of his entire life. Now, we find this man in Matthew chapter 8, and, and I encourage you to turn or click there, or if you uh, click the notes tab if you're on the church online platform, or if you get online at heritageqc.com, you can download the note guide. Um, but before we jump into Matthew chapter 8 and take a look at this man, I want you to understand a few things about him. First of all, this man had a, uh, a skin disease that was called leprosy. Now, leprosy was a highly contagious uh, skin disease, and it was one that when somebody would contract it, it was, it was loathsome. I mean, it was, it came, along with it came great shame and, and brokenness and isolation. It was, a, it was a skin disease at the time in which was thought to be incurable. And worse than any of those things, based on the Levitical law, if somebody contracted leprosy, they were deemed unclean. Now, to be unclean meant literally that they were forced out of their community. They were told that they had to leave the community and the loved ones and go live on the outskirts of town. In fact, they would go and they would live in that place, not just for a few weeks, but most likely months or years until their leprosy was completely cleansed or cured. Now, remember, they believed leprosy to be incurable at the time. So as we look at this man today, this is a man who literally has been on his own on the outskirts of the town for years. Now think about that just for a moment. What we've encountered over the last few weeks has been challenging and difficult. But this is a man that for years was alone. This was a man who literally was forbidden from interacting with his family or, or was missing out on the moments of his children growing up. He was missing birthdays and anniversaries, and and he was close enough that he could see life happening as normal, except he wasn't a part of it. I mean, you can imagine the rejection and the, the sense of being alone. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? It does. But here's the reality. All of this changed when this man encountered Jesus. When this man who came to Jesus heard a better word spoken over his life. And so let's take a look at Matthew chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 1. In the moments that's leading up to this passage of Scripture, Jesus is on the mount, and he is literally he is, he is sharing a message that we call the Sermon on the Mount, which is the single uh, greatest teaching recording recorded of Jesus. And it's at the end of that passage of Scripture that it says the people were amazed in Matthew chapter 7. And they were amazed because Jesus spoke with authority, but then they followed him wherever he went. And then listen to what happens in Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. It says this, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, where he had just delivered the Sermon on the Mount, large crowds followed him. Verse 2, here's the man we've been talking about. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. In the book of Luke, it says that the man came and he fell on his face before Jesus in worship. And he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, let me pause here just for a moment because we can read that passage of Scripture, and if we don't understand what's happening in that moment, we miss the power of this time. You see, Jesus has come down the mountain from teaching. There are droves of people that are walking with him that just want to be around him, that want to hear him teach. And it's in this space that this man, this leper, comes to the feet of Jesus. Now, you have to understand that in the Levitical law, it was illegal for this man to come within arm's reach of anyone. And so when this man came to Jesus, when he came across this large group of people, he had to declare, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, so that it gave people in that space time to part the way, to get away from him so that he could come to the feet of Jesus. Now, not only that, this leper that came to the feet of Jesus had no evidence that Jesus had ever healed somebody of leprosy before. In fact, if you look at this passage of Scripture, in the moments preceding this, Jesus had never healed somebody of leprosy. But this man was convinced, he was desperate, that Jesus was indeed able to cure the incurable. So he did whatever he could to get to the feet of Jesus. He didn't say, I believe you can heal me. He said, Jesus, you can heal me if you were willing. And so then let's look at what happens next. Let me... The man has come to Jesus. He has fallen on his face in worship. He's asked him to make him clean. And then this is what happens, starting in verse 3. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. 
Be clean. Here's these better words that Jesus speaks over him. Be clean. And listen to this. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. You know, this is one of my favorite moments in all of scripture. And I just visualize all of these people who have now parted the way because this man with leprosy has come and their eyes are fixed on Jesus going, what is he going to do? And not only did Jesus not run, Scripture says that he reached out his hand and he touched the man. Now, this was something that that would have put Jesus at risk of becoming unclean himself. This was something that was radical, that was even illegal based on Levitical law. But Jesus reaches out his hand and he touches this man. Now, don't miss this. This was the first time this man had been touched probably in years. And then in Jesus' willingness to reach out his hand, to touch this man, he was communicating a sense of love, of care. He was communicating to this man that Jesus sees him, that he's not forgotten, that he is not rejected. And it's a powerful, powerful moment. And it's in this moment that Jesus says, be clean. And this better word transforms this man's life. Scripture says he's immediately cleansed from his leprosy. And then Jesus says, hey, go, show yourself to the priest. Why did he tell him to do that? Because that was the step required for this man to be restored to community. I mean, this is a powerful, powerful moment. This story in scripture is one that, yes, provides great hope to this man and it displays the power and the authority and the love of Jesus. But it's also one that shares some significant hope for you and for me today. You see, there's a couple things that we see in this passage of Scripture that I don't want us to miss. And and the first one is that Jesus moves towards those that others run from. Jesus moves towards those people that others run from. I mean, think about it. When this leper came into this group of people, the, the crowds that surrounded Jesus bolted, but not Jesus. Jesus stood there. And he not only stood there and let that man come to him, he extended his hand. He moved toward that man. Now, this is through, it's true throughout Scripture in the Gospels. In fact, if you just look at Matthew chapter 8 alone, this one chapter of Scripture, Jesus not only interacts with this leper, but he moves towards others that others run from. Let me give you some examples. Right after the leper, Jesus interacts with a Roman centurion. This is a soldier that is literally some of the, the, most, the most hated people by the Jews. And he interacts with this Roman centurion, and in an interaction with him, ends up healing this man's servant. Shortly after this happens, Peter brings Jesus to his home, and, and Jesus heals one of Peter's family members who had a fever. Now, We understand fever creates some churn within us right now when we hear someone has that, not Jesus. Scripture says that he went and he touched her on the hand and healed her. Shortly after this, Jesus has an interaction with a a demon-possessed man, and this was a man that had terrified the crowds and had terrified the Jews for years and years and years. But this man comes to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't shirk away. He comes toward the very man that people had run from. And he heals him and he cleanses him. Now, this is a really great word for you and I today, because for some of us, we maybe view God as a God who is distant, as a God who, because of what we've done or the brokenness in our life or the people that we've hurt or the decisions that we've made, is a God that's saying, listen, I want nothing to do with you. But the truth that we see in this scripture is that Jesus moves towards those that others run away from. And it's a substantial truth that breathes hope into us today. But secondly, Jesus makes clean only what is brought to him. You see, Jesus moves towards those that others run from, but Jesus makes clean only what is brought to him. I mean, think of this man in Luke chapter 8. The leper who who Jesus comes and he falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, here I am. I've never seen you heal somebody of this before, but I'm trusting you. And it's in that space that Jesus brings healing to this man. He he proclaims that he is clean. 
We see that in every single scripture in Matthew chapter 8 that I referenced, whether it's the centurion that comes to Jesus on behalf of his servant, or if it's, if it's Peter who brings Jesus uh, to the home of uh, where his mother is and he heals her, or if it's the demon-possessed man that runs to Jesus. It's the reality of whatever we bring to Jesus, that's what he can make clean. Now, that's, this is really good news for this man in Matthew chapter 8. But here's the reality today. It's not just good news for him. It's good news for us. I mean, the truth is, is you and I most likely aren't going to contract leprosy any day soon. And it's been my prayer and our prayer as a pastoral team that the God of the universe, the creator of the ends of the earth, would push back this COVID-19 infection so that you or I or somebody that we love won't, won't encounter this and be infected. But the good news is, if we are, he's still faithful He's still God. He is still able to heal. But the good news that's a universal hope for all of us is actually found when we understand that this man that came to Jesus with leprosy was actually coming to Jesus with a physical symbol of what many of those Jews in that time thought was a physical symbol of sin. And so when the Jews would look at this man or somebody with leprosy, they would see this this leprosy and they would say, that man must have sinned. Now, here's where this is really good news for you and I today, is all of us are infected by sin. The infection rate is 100%. The tests have come back, and, and we are positive. But Jesus didn't just come to speak a better word of, you were clean over that man in Matthew chapter 8. He came to display his power and his glory. He came so that he might die and shed his blood so that you and I who have tested positive for sin, of which there is no cure other than the blood of Jesus, can be made clean. And so that we can be restored in community, in relationship with God. You see, that's the hope that we find. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 1, Verse 18, when it's speaking about the prophet, the Messiah, who is to come, it says this about Jesus. It says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. It's saying that the Messiah who is to come, Jesus is coming to shed his blood so that you and I can have the better word spoken over us, that we can be clean. You see, that's the good news that we find in this story. The reality is all of us are like this man, have leprosy. All of us are infected by sin. All of us have the diagnosis of infected or positive or contaminated. But Jesus today offers us the invitation to bring ourselves, to bring our brokenness, to bring our sin to him so that he can declare us clean as we place our faith and trust in Jesus. Look at what 1 John says, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. This is in the Passion Translation, but this is what it says. Verse 8, if we boast that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and are strangers to the truth. But verse 9, But if we freely admit our sins when his light uncovers them, when we freely bring them to Jesus, listen what it says he'll do. He is faithful to forgive us every single time. God is just to forgive our sins because of Christ, and he will continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now that is the good news for you and for me today is that when we bring our junk or we bring our sin to Jesus, he cleans and forgives us because of the sacrifice that he made on the cross for you and for me. You know, there's a pastor and author by the name of Max Lucado, and, and I just, I came across this this week as I was preparing, and in this, the way that he frames this is just so, so meaningful And I want to read it to us as you consider maybe the areas that the Lord is asking you to bring things to him. This is what he says. He says, our Savior kneels down and gazes upon the darkest acts of our lives. But rather than recoil in horror, he reaches out in kindness and says, I can clean that if you want. 
And from the basin of his grace, he scoops up a palmful of mercy and washes away our sin. What a powerful picture of the invitation that Jesus has for you and for me today. Just like he did with the leper in Matthew chapter 8. That if we bring those things to him, that he can speak a better word of cleansing, of forgiveness, of purity over you and me. And listen, for you today, that may be an issue of um, addiction. It could be an area that maybe nobody else even knows about, but you're afraid that if it comes out that you're going to be rejected. And I want you to know Jesus isn't running from you. He's moving towards you. Or maybe you're in a place where pornography is an issue and when you engage, you just feel dirty and hopeless and Jesus wants to let you know he can bring cleanliness and freedom. Whether it's in your marriage and your marriage has fallen apart or, or honestly in the last few weeks when you've been cooped up with people, you've noticed issues of anger coming out of you that you never thought was there. Listen, I don't know what that is for you, but what I know is that you have a God right now, Jesus, who is saying, I'm not running from you. I'm coming towards you. And if you'll just offer those things to me, I can transform you and make you clean. That's the good news. That's the gospel that the God of the universe sent his son to pay the price, to bear our sin on the cross, which is what's coming in Good Friday, where we bore our sins. He paid the price for our sins so that you and I can be made new and we can be made clean. But hear me today, we have to choose to come to him. And for today, if you're in a place where you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, now is the moment. In fact, if you've downloaded the Sermon Note Guide, you can find on the back of that three steps in a sample prayer. Or maybe you're on our online platform right now and and there's going to be a button that pops up that says, raise your hand if you choose Jesus. And I encourage you, click that button and then let us know. Hit, Hit live prayer so that right now a pastor can pray with you and interact with you. We want to celebrate with you as you step into this new season in which you hear the words of Jesus, that you are clean. Or maybe if you want to talk to a pastor on the phone, we have our Pray with a Pastor line that, that is open even now, and I encourage you to call that. And as our pastoral team, we would love to pray for you. But the invitation today, just like this man in Matthew 8, the leper came and he fell on his face before Jesus. He says, God, here I am. Take what I am. Transform me. That's the invitation for you and for me today. In fact, in a moment after I pray, we're going to sing a song together. And the words of this song simply say, I give you my life. I give you my trust. There's a declaration that says, my heart is yours. And it's my prayer that in this moment, that this will be a moment of surrender, a moment in which you say, Lord, here I am. Here's my brokenness. Here's my sin. Here's my leprosy. I'm asking you to clean me, to forgive me, to restore me, to make me new. And may this be a moment today in which, just like that leper, we leave this interaction with Jesus transformed and made new. And so as we step into this moment and we sing this song together, I want to I end in a little bit of a unique way. You see, right now, there are hundreds, if not thousands of us gathered in this very moment. And so as we close, I want us to close by praying a prayer together. And this is a prayer that's going to come up on your screen, and it's one that I've taken from Psalm 51 in the Passion Translation. This is written by a guy by the name of David. David, yes, was considered a man after God's own heart, but he also was one who committed adultery with a married woman and then had her her husband killed. This was a man who had been confronted by a prophet, by his sin and his brokenness. And the prayer that we're going to pray together today in this moment across whatever location you're in is one of saying, God, here I am. Make me new. It's it's a proclamation that he indeed can make us clean. And so I'm going to invite you right now, regardless of where you're at, to pray this prayer out loud with me as a prayer and an invitation as we step into this song where we're saying, God, I'm giving you all that I am. Make me clean. So let's pray this together. Psalm 51, verse 7 through 10. It says this. Let's pray. Purify my conscience. Make this leper clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Satisfy me in your sweetness, and my song of joy will return. The places within me you have crushed, God, will rejoice in your healing touch. Verse 9, hide my sins from your face. Erase my guilt by your saving grace. In verse 10, 
Create a new, clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires, ready to please you. May the God of all comfort and the God of all peace bless you today. May you and I be a people in this moment who bring our brokenness and our sin to Jesus. And may we be a people who receive the better word of be clean. So let's worship together to this moment of giving our all to him.
blessed Savior, I surrender all. It's our genuine hope that you have been able to connect with God, others, and your purpose as we've spent this time together today. You know, I'm so grateful that we no longer have to be defined by the worst of what we've done, but we can be defined by the very best of Jesus. And that is what this week, this holy week has at its core. This coming Friday is Good Friday when Christians all over the world pause, reflect, and remember. And as Heritage, we're joining together on Friday evening virtually to participate in a Good Friday celebration. We invite you to be fully present in that with your families. And as a way to help you do that, come on by the Bridgepoint Lobby here Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday and receive a special packet that will help you participate in the service that evening. It'll include elements for communion, as well as some activities and some great family interactions, including some fun Easter goodies for you and yours. Another way that we're inviting you to be fully present with one another, even at a distance, is to pray for our cities, our region, and our world. And one of the ways that we can do that is right here at the Bridgepoint Levee. We have benches and prayer stations available at appropriate social distancing levels where you can seek God's face on behalf of these cities. We even have these little tags where you can write out a scripture or a prayer that you're praying for a loved one or for those around us and hang them in the trees as a reminder, as an offering before God. Another great opportunity to step into connection with God, others, and your purpose is in small groups together. That might be a little different in these days, but one of the ways we're providing opportunity for that is through virtual groups like Dangerous Prayers in partnership with Proverbs 31 Ministries. You can sign up for Dangerous Prayers or other groups at heritageqc.com and click right on the Groups tab. You know, as we pursue radical generosity together, God is doing amazing and incredible things among us. We invite you to be part of all that he is doing by joining with us and being present in your giving as well. You can join us in that by clicking on heritageqc.com and choosing the Give tab. You can stop by our Bridgepoint lobby and drop your offering off at any time during the work week. But we want to remind you that God is at work, that he sees you, he sees these cities, and we invite you to be part of all that he is doing in this time.